Yo, everybody, welcome to the Ednium Podcast, where we have real conversations with the amazing talent in Denver's backyard to inform the system and change the game for the next generation. I hope you're thriving. Let's go. And we live. What's up, y'all? What's How you doing? Up? Hey, we got to work out those nerves a little bit beforehand. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm excited to, to relaunch this pod with y'all. Um, mostly, more than anything. We've spent a lot of time together over the course of what? I guess like almost like a year now. Yeah, yeah it's kind of wild. Um, but let's just start off by like giving folks a sense of who's in the room and what we got moving. We'll start on my right. Let them know who you are. I'm back again. This is Alonso speaking. Uh, very briefly, I grew up in Mexico for 15 years. Moved to uh, Colorado, Denver in particular at the age of 16 by myself. Put myself through uh, high school, graduated, went to a community college, studied nursing, switched over to teaching, and graduated in something else, and then went into the military, spent the last four years and a half of my life there. Just moved on last year uh, and landed, landed back in Ennium as I wanted to make a life here in Denver. So uh, I'm happy to be here and uh, share this space with y'all. Yes, sir. We're going to have to get one of those. Wah, 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 wah. Like <laughs> <laughs> it has little buttons for it, too. I just never figured out how to do it. Uh, Kiara. Hello, everybody. My name is Kiara Chavez. I am a DPS alum. I'm also an immigrant, so I came to Denver with my family when I was four years old. I was born in Mexico, grew up an undocumented student here in Denver, which highly impacted the way that I moved in the world. Um, eventually... I don't think I said what high school I go to. So I, I went to <laughs> I went to and graduated from Kip Denver Collegiate High School. And then I went to CU Boulder to study marketing. And now I work for Denver Parks and Recreation doing marketing and community engagement work. So very much that is my passion. And I am very happy to be here. Thank you, Tere. Yeah, yeah. And for the record, this is cohort four on the mic, you know what I mean, in the crew. In the flesh or on your airways, whatever you need. Alonzo being the lead of cohort four, making it making a pop. Exactly, exactly. Gigi, what's up? Hello, everyone. My name is Angelica Granados, also known as Gigi to cohort four. Um, I am a proud DPS alumni from Abraham Lincoln High School, class of 2017. Um, I also graduated from the University of Denver and have now been in my career for about a year and a half now in politics with the Colorado Department of Human Services, where I'm a legislative analyst. Um, yeah, I've kind of just kept in touch with Ture. Um, I got to know him through the University of Denver and through him, Edniam was born. And so now here we are. Yeah, full circle things, big dogs. What's up, y'all? How you doing? Uh, my name is David Martinez. Um, I am originally from El Paso, Texas, but grew up in Denver. Um, so I've witnessed firsthand the psychological and physical violence that, that happens with borders. Um, I am a DPS graduate from Denver South, graduated from CSU with a degree in political science, and I am now the legislative aide for Representative Mabry, who represents Westwood. Um, and I'm also helping Enyum with their fundraising strategy. Um, yeah. Yeah. What it do, baby? What it do? <laughs> Get the dollars. Hello, y'all. My name is Hannah Celis. I went to North High School. Shout out to them for fixing the potholes. Hey. 
Um, <laughs> just like everybody else, I practice this like in the shower. Like I'm gonna say something really cool and everybody's gonna be blown away. But I've always been told to surround myself with wonderful people. And so I never have to prove anything to like the wonderful people that I'm with. You know, they yeah. know me, I know them, and it's a good space here. Yeah. And you had and you won the contest at the at the Edmund birthday party. Yes. Yeah, yes. dopest, no dopest Kia. costume. Yeah. No <laughs> we, we, for for the audience, we had a two thousands, early two thousands themed party and everybody. I came with a grill, you know what I mean? I was feeling my fourteen year old self, you feel me? <laughs> Thinking I was gonna kill. And then Hannah comes in with a as a Nokia phone. It was like the <laughs> dopest thing ever. Yo, that was it was cool. It was it was a lot of fun. Um I wanted to give a long speech, but no reception. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Her battery <laughs> fell out. <laughs> you were playing snake on the phone, trying to snake through the people. Um that's cool, y'all. I'm, I'm excited for y'all to be here. I'm excited for this conversation. Um one, just kind of like show people that like. Yo, like we build relationships like over the course of this year, like I, I, I've known, I've gotten to know each and every one of y'all like in a really, really, really deep way um, and excited about some of the work we're doing. But I'm just curious if y'all could give, you know, the world some perspective in terms of like, how have you, I guess, had to evolve since you left school and like in what ways were you or were you not like prepared for things? And then I think let's just let it roll from there. So I think uh, when I was, throughout my experience as a DPS alum, they really tried to force college education down our throat. Um, it, they made it seem that even if you went to like a community college, it was kind of a failure. If you went to any career in technical education, it was a failure. Um, but the thing is, even if you did end up going to college, I don't think they necessarily prepared you to succeed while in college, like figuring out what type of major you wanted to study, minor, um, how you would do internships, how to apply for FAFSA. And so while I think they pushed college to all of us, right, really, really intensely, I don't, I still think that there was a lot of major drawbacks for even those folks that did accomplish that mm -hmm. milestone. Um, and I still haven't even gotten a call from my high, high school. I, I graduated in 2016. They haven't even called me, haven't said, yo, how are you doing, homie? Like, are you alive? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I was just a number of their system. I was just some tax dollar money that they could get. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, it's, and it's really sad, to be honest. I feel you. Like, how did you, how did you, how were you able to, like, get through the school system, like, the college system, understand, like, with those barriers in place? Like, how did y'all have to navigate that for yourselves? Because you said they go to college and then like, good mm. luck, homie. Like, right. what was that, what was that process? I think for me personally, it would be finding community on campus. I think that was the pivotal moment for myself where I was like, you know what? I deserve to be here. I want to be here. And I am lucky enough and privileged enough to end up where I'm at. Hmm. And I should find at least some community and try to see if I like it. I considered dropping out, not basically dropping out, um, or definitely moving to a different school. So I went to the University of Denver, and I wanted to transfer to UNC with my friends, transfer yeah. to CSU with my friends. And I was one of the only people that um, I was one of six my year from Lincoln um, to go to DU. And it was just really hard. I think for me, it was a huge shout out to volunteers in partnership at the University of Denver. Shout out, Linda. Shout out, Linda Quintanar. Um, that was one of the only, it's 
the only partnership DPS has to the University of Denver. And um, without it, students would not be able to get through college. Mm -hmm. So our program had um, basically 100% retention because we kept all of our students alive, healthy, fed, well. Um, connected. So connected, yeah. So that was, for me, my most important yeah, part. Yeah. That basement at VIP was like, it got me through everything. Like yeah. when, it, when it got hard, yo, I'm going to the basement and like chilling <laughs> and kicking and quote unquote doing homework. You know what I'm right. saying? But like just like a place to breathe a little bit. For sure. Yeah. Did y'all have that space? Um, real quick, I think it's really interesting how you hesitated to say dropout because it really just shows how unwelcoming these spaces mm. are and are becoming. Like if you already felt like not giving up, but like you want to drop out, you want to be done with it. Like, why isn't there any encouragement? Like, you're here to flourish, yet you're being stifled. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty difficult to think about even those moments. I think many of us could relate. Like, we are probably super stressed out. Um, I think one experience I can share is that when I realized I wanted to be a cheerleader on campus, um, I realized I didn't want to be a cheerleader that bad at some point because the team was kind of just super catty. And I think for me, I was kind of like, this is real life for me. You guys are mm. still super catty. Like, this is really right. crazy. And so for me, cheer was that, like, outlet. Like, I didn't know I was going to do cheer. And then all of a sudden, I was a part of the community mm. because I had the skill set. And then all of a sudden, it was like, ooh, this is not what I expected. Like... Mm -hmm. I expected a different maturity level, but then I also realized mm -hmm. I was on survival mode at some point. I was, this was real life for me. It's either make it or break it where other students were like, this is where their dad went to school and that's why they're cheering here. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. that experience. No, I feel like it's interesting too, because like the fact that you felt that way from the outside looking in was like you were the most engaged person that like figured college out like you had all the confidence in the world and so it's interesting to say like even the people that are thriving i think part of what we what we're seeing in education in general is like the people that are thriving are trying to figure out that figured out a way to like cope with it mm. we think like oh they're cool but, it's yeah. like, but nah mm -mm. fake but nah, it till no. you make it fake it till you make it yeah how many of us feel like we're still faking it oh all day <laughs> all day every day <laughs> but it doesn't have to be a bad thing because i think like that's something i live by anyway because rihanna said it so mm. if rihanna said it <laughs> then you know it's good <laughs> she's like don't don't let them see you sweat but i think there's like some gold in that and like people that believe in manifesting and stuff like you really have to like force your brain to catch up with you because mm. or else you could get stuck in all this negative and like real world like real talk can get really hard so like getting stuck in that it doesn't help you either mm -hmm. getting stuck in that hole because i can relate to so much of what you're saying Gigi. just because um i went to see boulder and i was the only one from my small latino high school that went to see boulder to like going from a graduating class of 75 students to like eight thousand people in my freshman class and maybe like less than a Less than like a hundred of those people are like people of color, to be honest. And like the whole of Boulder is not diverse. So that was really stressful. And I feel you like I had to like 
force myself to find my community in order to feel welcome and to feel like I belonged. But there was definitely a lot of like struggles and ups and downs that came through that because I also struggled a lot with my mental health during the time that I was in college. Um, and finding the right community was important because I'm a really social person. So like I always made friends, but it doesn't mean they were like the right people for me, especially in college, especially in a party school like CU Boulder. Like you can make so many friends and meet um, so many people, but it doesn't mean that they're going to really add to your life or care for you or want to see you succeed or like build you up. And so it definitely comes with a lot of self-discovery. And I feel like I have enough grace for myself now that like I allowed myself to make a lot of mistakes. And um, back then it gave me anxiety and it was, it was like, what am I doing? I'm messing up my life. But like looking back on it, I'm grateful because I'm in a really good place in my life. And it's like, I just had to live through all these, all these mistakes to mm. be a better person. And luckily, I feel like I'm in a better place. Not everybody gets there or it takes people longer, but um, still, I think like that positive mentality and outlook in life helped me out a lot because back then in college, I was stuck in that cycle of like, yeah. This sucks and life sucks and all these things and it got it got to be too much. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. Like the other question is too, is like, all right, cool, we leave college, we leave high school or whatever. And then it's just like the building the community and ain't like served up on a silver platter for you no more. You know what I mean? And like I'm always curious, because one of the big components obviously of Edney was like building that community. But then I'm always curious is like, why the hell do people come here? Like this is crazy. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? So was it something, when you heard about Indian, was it like some conscious that y'all had of like, I'm searching for community now that I'm kind of like in the quote unquote real world? Or was it something else and that was a byproduct of it? I'm actually, I'm, I really don't know. I'm trying to answer this question for myself. If I can hop in, Absolutely. provide my answer. Um, so Teray, you spoke at Advanced CDU like personally. Mm. So I heard your story like straight from you. And before I had joined Ednium, I feel like I went through, like, how we were talking about, like, those journeys that you make, like, mentally of, like, you need to have a better outlook on life. I recently found a diary dated 2018. And when I read through it, I was, I just realized, like, I used to have a lot of hate in my heart. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot. Towards the outside, but more towards myself. And at the end of the day, it's kind of like these thoughts provide nothing. Like this gives nothing to me. Like I have no reason to be thinking this way for so long. And so it really is just every day like, you know what? Maybe I don't look so bad. Mm. Like, you know what? Maybe I can reach out to this person. Like it's the little things that you change that result in a big, like mm -hmm. you become a whole different person yeah. with those little little wins every day. Mm -hmm. um, so knowing that I had taken CYC, before um, I knew what kind of community that brought to me, community mm. that's like like-minded. Like we all know what's going on. We're all very realistic about it, about our society. We're all very eager to make that change. Yep. And so the pandemic happened, I stopped going to CYC and then I kind of held some of that guilt in my heart of like, I mm. could always reach out. And then Teray came and <laughs> offered like a new community and so knowing that there's still so many other groups out there and I could be a part of them, that's all up to me. Yeah. And so I took that choice. 
Huh. And then I remember filling out the application very last minute, but I was like, Tori knows me. He knows me though. Like he knows me. I talked to him. He yeah. knows me. It's fine. I'm a BS a little bit, but he knows me. So, you know, I filled in the application and then months and months later, I'm with just, I've said it once, I'll say it again, you wonderful people Aww. in a room full of love. So. Room full of love. That's super dope. Hey, and I ain't never gonna be mad at anybody for doing something last minute. That's like my whole <laughs> MO. <laughs> I'm like, man, I swear, I always promise myself I'm gonna get better and it never happens. Mm. Never happens. But you get it in. Yeah. But we get it in. Hannah, you, you had mentioned some around Gigi's asking, like hesitating for saying that she's gonna drop out and like giving up. I'm curious as to what we feel giving up means right now, given that there's not like that clear like degree that we're trying to get or that clear we're trying to graduate from high school or whatever. Like, how are we all setting those goals? And then how do y'all think about, you know, what what is persistence? How are we how are we moving through these things? That's deep. <laughs> I, I want to, this might be a little off topic, but that saying, uh, quitters never prosper, I hate that saying. Like, mm. if somebody doesn't like something and they want to quit and it's, like, not well for their mental health, like, they should, they should quit. Yep. Mm. You know, and, like, growing up, I had quit, like, a few sports teams and, like, I quit those sports teams because I was no longer having fun in the grind and the practice. And like, why would I spend my time, my limited time doing something that I'm going to be really upset about? Yeah. It's going to put me in a bad mood. So like the notion quitters never prosper. I think we should like abolish that, <laughs> you know, like if you're not happy, quit, <laughs> you know, but it's not right. like soul cannot do anything. It's like quit and go find something that makes you happy, yeah. you know? Yeah. Right. Um, and so I feel that. I feel that and like, cause I'm, I was the same way. I quit volleyball cause I'm like, I don't like this. And why am I going to be here? I tell people all the time, if you're reading a book that you don't like, quit it. Like nobody's forcing you to read that book till the end. Like, and if you don't like it, then don't read it because I feel the same way. There's no reason to like waste your time. And so then I'm feeling like in that vein, giving up on yourself would be to me because I define my success a lot to do with like happiness giving up for me would look like not following something that makes me happy, mm -hmm. but having to like force myself into something like that, that would feel like giving up to me. Cause it's mm -hmm. like, why am I not chasing my dream and chasing that happiness and chasing that, whatever it looks like to me, that would feel like I'm giving up on something really key. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That was great. <laughs> um, I think for me, it was kind of like now giving up to me looks like the second I'm no longer dreaming delusionally, mm. I know that I'm giving up on something and whether I need to like reflect on if it's something that's worth giving up on and moving forward and figuring it out, like figuring something else out. Um, but I think for me, that was a big thing that I realized that once I stopped dream, dreaming big or delusionally to some people, um, I realized like a little piece of my spark is leaving and I don't like that too much. So I always make sure I reflect or analyze why I'm feeling that way. And I think with Ture and your mentorship, you're, you're more of a colega now, but other than <laughs> anything, like I think, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that. No, we're peers. We're peers. No, colleagues. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the whole mentor thing. Y'all make me feel no, old I... and shit. No, but OG. <laughs> yeah, this man called me OG. I was hurt for three weeks. 
No, yeah. But I think um, just being able to be, you said one day, like being able to be delusional, but put work and effort behind it um, puts it into action, you know? So no idea or no no dream is too big if you're mm. willing to work for it. And so just giving up for me just looks so different nowadays. Like I'm okay with trying all the things. And if I don't like where I'm at or if I don't like the outcome, I can just move on and Keep maybe watching. cry a little. Right. But, <laughs> yeah, talk about that. but definitely like move on and find something else that fulfills me. So Right. That's real. Yeah. I just want to call it that called attention to that because that's like yeah that i'm glad you took the moment to say like i'll cry about it because it <laughs> is like quitting is still hard even if we like want to like abolish it there's still like something like you gotta honor that that you put in that effort and that it didn't work out and that you feel a type of way about it and that even if it's not like an internal thing if it's society that makes makes you feel like a failure like there needs to be space to own that and to like feel it out and then pick up and keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just felt the, uh, when you said that you were losing your spark in the education system, I think that that is like that hit home big time because as we have this factory, this education factory of pushing through uh, numbers and students, um, I see a lot of spark being, um, thrown out you know when, when you have that spark that you want to learn the things that interest you oh but you have to do that um, I'm making some type of correlation between what we're talking about how um, they say that this generation quits real easily uh, and it's because I think that th a lot of things are imposed onto them like or oh, you're supposed to do this and I feel like kids are way quicker and faster to realize like no I don't want to do that that does not interest me and I'm not going to do it. So they just like pull back from it. And she said, no, I don't want to do, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to do it another way. Uh, so I, I think that is very important uh, to define it and have the time to uh, self-exploration and, and self um, journey to allow yourself to have a space where you're able to explore your passion and what you like. Uh, because I feel like once you find that individually, it's very hard to give up. Because that comes from within, and when it comes from within, you can't give up on yourself because that's that's the spark again. Yeah, y'all kind of just like rattled my whole cage, if I'm being real with you, because I definitely was raised with the, like, you don't quit, bro. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I remember like when I was younger, I tried baseball. I sucked at baseball, bro. I could not hit the ball to save my life, and I wanted to quit, and I was just like, nah, it's just not an option. But I hated it. Like I hated everything about playing baseball. It was not my. It was not my jam. But y'all reframing it in terms of like, well, if I'm clear on my why and what makes me happy and what I'm right. like, I'm not. I'm not quitting. Mm -hmm. I like you said. Like I'd actually be quitting on myself more by continuing to do this thing that doesn't give me like joy. And then Alonzo, to your point, like, we're the system is mad at this generation for like having more of a recognition of our value and our worth, and we're saying like, what y'all are giving me ain't. It ain't it. Ain't it. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I'm not going to engage with this. You know what I'm saying? It's like, but they always want us to like retrofit what our perspective and our vision and our dreams and our spark to whatever their system is. And I think what I heard y'all say and what I think NM as a collective is saying is like, nah, like, y'all should be adjusting to us because you serve us. The education system serves mm -hmm. us. 
not the other way around. You know what I mean? I don't serve your metrics and your numbers. You know, feel me? Like the biggest thing in college that changed the game for me was when someone says like, yo, they work for you. Like, so what if you're getting a scholarship? Like your dollars, those you're paying those people's salaries. They work for you. Why are you over here, you know, trying to fit into like their mold? They're supposed to like help build for you. Is that entitled? I think older generation might say so, but <laughs> you feel me? Yeah. But like at some point, the, these systems that say they're serving us are going to have to figure out how to actually serve us. Right. So my question to y'all is like, what does that mean? What does that look like if they were actually serving us in the ways that we needed it to? I think colleges feel entitled to your money because that's mm. a lot of money that goes into just getting a degree. Mm -hmm. um, that's all I want. That was my piece. Like <laughs> colleges have some audacity, yeah. especially because like, and I was thinking about this earlier too, just like I fund these services but we're not getting anything back. Hmm. Like all we're doing is lining the person on top's pockets. Hmm. Like that's all, like it's been very like deconstructed into a way to very much like oppress the community rather than flourish it. And so hmm. just not a fan, not a fan. Yeah, like sometimes we have to say like, thank you for <laughs> allowing me to give you my money. <laughs> and then like, what are they held accountable to? I don't know, what do y'all think? If they educate both K-12 and higher ed, like if they were actually serving us and serving our people in a way that they, they should be, what does that look like? There's gotta be there's gotta be a better line of communication between the people who are going through the system and the people who are making decisions for the system. And that is the big misalignment between one another because um, when people like us, who look like us, who have the experiences like us, are not getting up in the podium and talking about our experiences, the decisions makers don't know what they're talking about. Everything is hypothetical. Everything mm -hmm. is like, what if and what if that? But we went through it. We know what it feels like to be a minority in a system that does not directly serve you. Uh, so getting involved within it and, and making sure that we have the opportunity to raise our voice and talk about these things, I think that's the first start. I had a conversation the other day with someone at the district and I was talking about how, you know, they should care about whether or not, like how many of us that graduate from the system have the ability and means to live in Denver. And it wasn't only from this particular person. I've heard the sentiment a lot where it's like, well, that's not our job. You know what I mean? But like, then what is your job? Great question. Is the question. I think that's a topic that really fuels my heart just because we've had these conversations and it all really goes back to a huge issue we're seeing today is like gun violence in schools mm -hmm. and how when it comes to the school district, when it's BIPOC, brown, indigenous, black, students of color, it's suddenly not a district issue, but a community issue. And when it's white students, it's a district issue that needs to be addressed. Mm. Um, and so I think it's really interesting how, obviously, when people, and I don't know this person, right? Um, but when people make comments like that, it's really obvious how our school districts don't cater to being culturally responsive or aware of our communities because we aren't all we aren't all white people we aren't all we are all maybe 
Americans in our own ways because we want to live here and live here. But I think for the most part, too, it's like understanding that at least for me personally, as someone who identifies as Mexican-American, Chicana, Latina, I am very much a product of the village, right? Like my mentors, my my family, my friends, like everyone contributes to Latino success. When it's one of us who succeeds, it's all of us who succeed in our community versus like, oh, well, maybe someone else doesn't feel that way. Other cultures might not feel that way, but that's why it's hard for me to hear those things when it's like, do you really care about the students you're serving considering DPS is predominantly Latinx and doesn't isn't individualistic like that. Yeah. Hmm. And if they did, maybe David, you would have heard from them by now. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? But when they call you, what do you want? What do you want to say? What do you want them to hear? What do you want them to be asking you? I want them to be asking me how I am. Right? It's not even mm-hmm. necessarily. Did you go get a degree? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, do you have a home? Do you have some food? Do you have electricity? Do you have ways of transportation? Like, them just right. I, I think a lot of us during our educational jersey journey. We didn't have access or we weren't we didn't we weren't exposed to love mm. at school, right? When people when you're asking what are we entitled to or what what should these educational institutions be doing, they should be pouring love into us. Mm. They should be nurturing our best potential, right? Because if they nurture us to be the best Alonzo that we can have, the best Teray that we can have, the best Kiara, the best Gigi, the best yeah. Hannah, right? We're gonna <laughs> pour back into the DPS. Yeah. yeah. Right, because yeah. it feels like a moral obligation that we owe it to them because they poured love into us. So let's pour love into the next generation and the next generation, right? Um, but but rather than that, right, we have our schools get shot up, mm-hmm. right? A lot of y'all have spoken a lot about mental health and like when did we ever have mental health conversations about right. what anxiety, what depression looks like, right? When I was in middle school, high school, like I thought when folks would talk about anxiety and depression, I thought they were just why didn't they just feel better? Ryan, it talks a lot about my ignorance to like the mental health issues and it and then when I do have an episode in college, right, I don't have access to resources to to handle that because I'm I'm ignorant to the fact, right? But when we see a kid have a mental health breakdown in school, like we're all freaked out by the kid and then we start to ostracize him and now the kid has no homies and now it's like even worse, right? Yeah. Because we didn't have any education to what's what's going on, why the kid's feeling like that, what you know? Yeah. yeah. And all that that David just said is super valid. And it's like maybe another question we should be asking is what shouldn't we expect them to ask us in those calls, mm. right? Um, for example, at least at Lincoln, we have a predominantly Latinx community with very few black students, at least when I was there. And I know that they were reaching out to alumni, black mm. alumni, Black identifying alumni uh, from the school, asking them to support their students, um, their students Black Alliance, um, and they were kind of felt disrespected, mm. like they felt unseen, they felt unheard, and then all of a sudden you're calling me up asking me to help you out when there was no connection, there was no community for me when I was there. Um, they, I did have a conversation with someone and. It was just when they get exposed to Edniam or they get exposed to different community organizations, they're kind of like, well, I didn't feel that at my school. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't feel community at my school. I didn't culturally connect with people at my school. And now they're calling me up, asking me to be in a part of an alumni group. Like, yeah. that makes no sense to me. Yeah. So it's like knowing your audience, knowing what to ask of your students when you haven't 
been giving them anything in general. Um, So just, yeah, a good call. Hey, what's up? How are you? Did you graduate? Are you all right? You know, like just catching up with these people instead of asking them for things when you don't even know Mm -hmm. their story. Yeah. To begin with. And colleges do it too, right? I think. I mean, if it wasn't for, like, the personal relationships I had at DU, the only other time I hear from DU is when they're asking me for money. Mm. <laughs> you feel me? Like, um, but that is, like, the biggest pushback I get when I'm trying to, like, it's like, come over here. It's like, well, no, nah, like, I didn't like high school. Or I don't know anybody from over there. Like, yeah, yeah, yada. And it seems like a lot of the people that do, they recognize they didn't have that and they want to bring that to the next generation. And so it's, like, it's been interesting how many people are saying, I want to be a part of Edneum in spite of my high school experience, not because of it. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. I can get a bit off topic here. Um, Just my, the way that I kind of navigated through the school system is I had ADHD. Mm -hmm. Everybody hears it. Some people know what it is. Some people see it as like a four letter acronym that like the kids are crazy, you know, (laughs) they don't know what they're talking about. Um, But Going through middle school and just elementary school, I was always so different in the way that I thought and the way that I spoke. I always felt like the outcast. And so just knowing that no teacher is going to point it out, no teacher. Like, I was always, I always thought of myself as a teacher's pet, but every teacher disliked me Hmm. because I'm always like, I couldn't, I had a lot of hyperactiveness in class Mm. that I didn't know how to control. Mm. Like, if I just want to, like, scribble on my notebook, I would just do it. Mm-hmm. I didn't really sense the like, no, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. Like, it was just kind of like, I want, I have this impulse. I'm going to act on it. Mm-hmm. I have no barrier of like, when you have an impulse, like I just do. Mm-hmm. And so teachers hated that, mm-hmm. but I always thought they loved me because I always try to listen and I always try my best and they're seeing that, right? Huh. Definitely not. So <laughs> just having that, that was just always so difficult. And I think it was like just core memories that I had in middle school. You know, there was a security guard who we had every most classroom that I've been in has been very disruptive. And so the security guard came in, told us like, hey, school isn't really here for you. In a sense, you're only going to get pushed from grade to grade to grade. They're not really going to look at you in depth, in depth like that. It is what it is. And so that was middle school. And in high school. Somebody told me that it's a fishbowl. And I always carried that with me of like, these are only people that I'll know for four years. Like, I feel so like suffocated in here because it feels like this is going to be forever, but it's really not. And so it's kind of like, okay, I don't have to be in high school forever. So that was just a relief. But now that I'm out of high school, like you get to see a lot of realities that you didn't get to before. Mm-hmm. I feel like I just rambled. No, but, you know. You bring in you bring in memories back to when I was in high school because I learned English while I was in Lincoln in 10th grade, starting 10th grade. And so I remember going through these classes where I didn't know, didn't know what they were saying, like flat out. My, my brain would become so overwhelmed to the point that it was just like, man, it's too much. But then I would, I would go to AP Spanish. Baby, I would give hell to that teacher because... <laughs> She spoke Spanish, and it was the place where I got to let all that frustration out. So yeah. I'm sorry, Mrs. Um, can't remember her name, but. <laughs> <laughs> she, 
she yeah. remembers yours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she, she, she still might have nightmares about <laughs> But it goes back to that love. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And like school shouldn't be something you just got to get through. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like what is it actually preparing us for? And, um, mm-hmm. You said something to me and Lonzo like that always stuck with me. You were like, yo, it felt like they were, I forget, you dropped a bar on me. I wrote it down at one point that they... <laughs> It felt like they judged my intelligence based off of how well I spoke English, not how well I understood the content. Mm. And like my wife deals with that too. Like she was worried about teaching our kids Spanish because she dealt with that like when she was young. Yeah. And it came down to like just fundamentally not really knowing who the kid is or like being able to like love on them like that. And you, you mentioned something around like the realities that you kind of like run into after school or some of those realities for y'all. Oh, man, I saw a lot of deep breaths on that one. <laughs> after high school or after college or just what? Let's say after high school. Yeah. I think one of the realities for me um, was that I really did love my high school experience. Um, it was the first. So when I went to DPS, I started my freshman year of high school. I had gone to Sheridan and then Littleton Public Schools prior to that. So DPS, my first experience was at Lincoln. And I had never been around so many Latinos in my life. And I loved the fact that, and I knew, you know, I knew that maybe I would never get to experience so many Latinos in one spot, like getting a free education. Um, And I think I definitely thought a little deeper about things at the time and even now, just because I loved um, everything about it. And I think the realities that I faced coming out of it was that I was, I would say I was pretty involved. I was super involved. I was good on my grades. And so once I got to DU, it was really interesting. That was like the first times I really experienced any type of racism. Um, I realized that you can have Back to my cheer experience, oh God, because that was such a mission, just getting on the freaking team. Um, But that experience was the first experience I had where it was kind of like, you can have all the skills possible. You can have the attitude to go with it. You can smile as much as you want. But if someone doesn't want you on this team because of any reason, It doesn't matter how good of a student you are. It doesn't matter how much you contribute to your community. Like, it just doesn't matter. Life's unfair sometimes. And um, it just works out that way. Um, But, I mean, things work out and your your doors open when they open. And I think my biggest reality was figuring out that you could be the best of the best. In your own mind, of course. Everyone's the best of the best. Mm -hmm. Um, But... You could be the best of the best and still not get what you want. And that was hard for me as an 18-year-old to be like, I, what do you mean I don't deserve to be here? You know what I mean? So just really owning the fact that sometimes it just doesn't work out and you're good. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, um, it goes back to, again, being like an undocumented student. I think... Um, I had that kind of realization of, like, my high school and middle school, I went to KIPP, so, like, the the mantra was, like, work hard, be nice. And it was, like, a promise, it felt like, to me, like, okay, if I work hard and I'm a nice person, I'm going to get far in life. And then I had, like, an earth-shattering moment 
where I realized when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to get financial aid um, because of being an undocumented student. Um, that moment came to me because I applied to a private high school. And so they accepted me, but they told me you can't come because we can't offer you federal aid. And um, they didn't have any scholarship or anything like that. So that was when I was going into high school. And it made me really anxious and worried about what that would mean for me going into college. Because that was like my dream. That was like my own personal like student dream was like, I want to go to college and I want to make this happen. And it felt like there was this huge barrier. So once I graduated from high school and I was able to get a full ride scholarship to go to college, despite being undocumented, I thought, okay, like I jumped this huge barrier. Now I'm here. But obviously like, um, you're asking me like where, what realities hit you and that like just continued to unravel for me in college because it was started with like this limitation from documentation really sunk into me into again my mental health where I was um still worried about what that meant for my future and then when I was in high, in college I went to college in 2015 so in 2016 when Trump was elected that was another like sh like sh shift in my uh, reality um, because of the anti-immigrant rhetoric and all of like the attacks on the undocumented community that like just added so much more pressure to me of like what does this mean for me like literally like is are my parents going to get deported am I going to get deported are my friends going to get deported um, or is I had a student like work permit and is my work permit going to go away? When I graduate from college, can I graduate from college? When I do that, where am I going to work? Do I have to take this to Mexico? Is Mexico going to accept the degree? Like, that was my, my like, rabbit hole of, like, what the hell do I do? I thought I just had to make it to college and, like, life's good. And then all this, like, like things that were way above me were, were like, very much in my presence. And then... Um, I didn't know how to like manage it alone. Um, my parents are immigrants, so they didn't know how to manage that. My older sister actually was born here, so she didn't have to deal with that. And my younger sister didn't either. So I felt very like alone at some point. And um, I know because of like that anxiety and that like feeling of aloneness, I made a lot of mistakes and a lot more like uh, bad decisions because I was scared and I acted on impulse with that fear. But um, I do want to say like, again, shout out to community and <laughs> shout out to like that culture. I was born into like Mexican culture really taught me to appreciate like my village, like you mentioned, because I wouldn't have been able to like go through that alone. But I found a lot of people that helped me through it. And like, there were other undocumented students at CU Boulder who I was able to lean on. And I feel very blessed because my high school does like, KIPP's mission is to get you to and through college. So they do connect with you during college. And for me, I had an advisor who worked with a lot of us students who had um, undocumented status and who had a scholarship for that. And that community was like super helpful for me because it was literally seeing other people in my shoes 
who were like getting through it. Mm. And it helped me to be able to like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm not alone and I see you and like you see me and we're like scared, but we're like pushing through, you know? And so very much shout out to Tanya Chaires, who now is like running Convivir Colorado and still doing the work of supporting undocumented refugee immigrant students of all backgrounds, because that was a very like difficult status to hold. And um, just, again, community and like authentic relationships and mentorship really pushed me into a better place. Yeah, yeah I'm connecting with what you're saying about going to school and, and, and the challenge of being an undocumented student because I remember going to college and hoping not to graduate <laughs> because graduation would mean, what am I gonna do? Yeah. Uh, what am I gonna do because is this credential that I'm getting here in college is it valid worldwide? Um, how am I gonna get a sponsorship visa or how am I getting my legal status to work in the US? So. I just connected with what you're saying about facing that paradigm of like, yeah, I want to get through college, get my education and not being able to use it. So, yeah. so that's, that's deep. Yeah. And like both of y'all, all three of y'all kind of mentioned like the sense of like what was promised to us, right? Work hard, be nice. You know what I mean? What was yours? Uh, I forget. I apologize. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot too. So. But like there was there was this promise, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, to kind of get to what we were talking about in the launch pad was, you know, this promise was you you just get your degree, you get your diploma, you get through high school, and everything's gonna be good. And all the ones that didn't like are bad, and we don't mm -hmm. talk about them. Um, going back to the giving up and dropping out kind of conversation. To me, it seems lately like a lot of the a lot of the issues are built on a foundation of like mismanaged expectations and like what they told us was going to happen and then what actually happened. Um, Cause I was the same way. I figured like, yo, I, I got the scholarship. I went to DU, like I'm up, you feel me? Like, <laughs> and then like, and then it was like, damn, this is just the starting point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's never going to end. But like what, I don't want to speak for y'all, but what would y'all say was the promise that was made maybe over here? Like, what was the promise made to you in school if you just followed all the rules? And did those pan out? I think not just in school, right, but like the American mantra of like the American dream, that if you just keep your head low, you just get your hours in, you work hard, right? Like you'll be able to be successful, you'll be able to own a home, you'll be able to graduate college, you'll be able to do all this. And like that's just that's just fake. That's not real, right? Like my parents, when I, a reason why I ended up coming back from college, my initial time at CSU was um, my parents were facing an eviction because uh, our landlord was going to sell the property that we were, that we were renting, uh, my family's renting, um, and they gave them like two weeks notice. So it was like God, December damn. 15th. They said, yo, December 31st, y'all got to get up out of here. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Right. And like because there's no sufficient like renters protections because we don't have any like codified protections for law, like we're facing living outside out of our house, finding like having to find housing really quickly. And like my parents were employed. Mm. We didn't miss a, a, a we never missed a rent. Right. Mm. Like we had done everything that we were supposed to do 
which was supposed to mean security. Mm. Um, and yet we're scrambling. I have to right change courses educationally wise to kind of help help out with my family. And so like that whole American dream thing is not real. Mm-hmm. You know, especially for folks that are talking about their documentation status and, and it and it hurts to hear like the pain that we can hear out of your voices when you're talking about that institution, right? Like you guys giddy up when you're talking about community, when you're talking about love, but then we start talking about these systems you're navigating and you can kind of hear like your voice tremble and, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's yeah. speaking about your guys' trauma um, and, and it's sad to hear about that. Um, but like, I don't know, man, simply working hard and keeping low, that's not gonna, it doesn't always mean safety and security. For real. Yeah. Nor success. More success. I mean, yeah. yeah, depending on how you define it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say school did do what it promised because whenever I was in school, I never saw the promise of like you're gonna prosper when you're out of here. Mm. Like it really just felt like, especially, and it's hard to speak about now, but just being in school, I just. Thinking of it right now as I sit in this room, maybe tomorrow I'll be like, you know what, maybe it wasn't that bad. But it was. It was that bad. Like, I just hated being in school every second of it. And I did have good moments. The friends that I have now from high school, I'm still friends with them. Like, six years going on strong. Oh. Shout out to Blanca and Adrian. Hey. Always Shout kept it tight Shout with out. me. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they're the only good thing that I've gotten out of DPS mm. is, you know, mm. I have them the and they mean the world to me. Yeah. But, you know, just in high school, I was just, it just always felt like a bubble. Kind of just school in general. It never felt like it was made for me. Mm. It was made for everybody. Mm. And I'm not everybody like mm. i can't sit still i don't know what you're talking about i'm not paying attention to that like i'm not gonna do my homework period <laughs> and you know what i still graduated k through 12 not a single piece of homework and i still graduated huh. like i'm not being promised any good knowledge here i'm being groomed mm. into somebody who goes out into capitalism and is okay with it yeah i remember in middle school learning about the one percent nor, it was being normalized. Like, yeah, all these people hoard the money, but what are you going to do, yeah. little middle schooler? Mm. You're going through puberty right now. You don't <laughs> just know that this is what's in place and you're going to yeah. do it when you're out of here. Huh. And so, you know, I feel like school promised that and it definitely delivered. Mm. I'm grateful for all the opportunities that have been presented to me and all the opportunities that I've taken. But that was for me, by mm. me, mm. not because... Uh, school counselor told me like you can do it or if you're feeling alone there's people here who are dealing with the same things that you are Mm. like you're not as weird as you think and at the end of the day like I learned through school-based therapist well she helped then she helped (laughs) she helped much love to her too but it's like I'm okay with my weird but I didn't learn that in a classroom I never learned Mm. that in math I Mm. learned that Patient teachers don't have patience for me. Mm. Like, I'm going to take a while to get this, but I have the mindset that I can. Mm. You have the mindset that I don't have time to, I'm not getting paid enough to deal with this kid. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have respect for teachers as people, and they're great, and they do great things for our community, but the systems that they're in, it's just like, I feel like Mm. you're, I already see you, and you're giving me worn down adult. Hmm. Like, you know, like, it's, 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 that's what I'm getting here. And it's not to point 
you out as a teacher. I'm not saying you're a bad teacher. I'm saying I need time to grasp whatever the whatever yeah. the heck we were learning in freaking math. Who knows, right? <laughs> yeah. What were you learning in high school math? Who knows? Crickets. Nah, that's as always you you drop yeah. knowledge um because there are a lot of people I'm, i i talk a lot about you know i was like the good student or whatever i was the athlete and then you know my now wife got pregnant and then like you saw how the system would start to treat you differently when you no mm. longer seemed as like an easy kind of metric of success of mm. their success you feel what i'm saying yeah. and so like i kind of got to see both of those and then like you i was like well shit watch this and you know that was my my whole motivating factor of going to school was just like prove people wrong yeah and i think my biggest reality was like yo you spent all this time proving people wrong people ain't even thinking about you dog like you were actually trying to prove yourself wrong because you believed them when yeah. they told you you know what i'm saying and it's like <laughs> yeah you know i got a few you know what i'm saying okay. so i just i just wondered like how many how many people feel that way i, um, I could totally relate to that i think for me i think so for me, I my mom's a single mom, a young mom when it comes to me. She had me maybe at 16. And so going to Lincoln, I think I realized I didn't really have like that promise either. Like now that I'm thinking about it, now that Hannah gave her story a little bit, I realized that since I came out of district for my first year, it was kind of like they were still trying to figure out where to place me because I had to test into everything. Hmm. So I met like all kinds of people <laughs> in those different classes. Like now that I reflect on my experience, I met so many different students and I can see how they weren't being catered to. Mm. They were kind of just in the shadows of the school. Like who knows? Mm -hmm. I just so happened to test out of that. Mm. Right. And so then I saw that shift once I ended up in the other classrooms that I was like, oh, they actually learn here. Like mm. it's not like what they talk about before you come to Lincoln, if you go to Lincoln. Um, and I think for me, it was really interesting to see that I was super involved. I think what people didn't understand was that I was super involved, but I was still into my academics. They didn't understand how I was a daughter of a single mom. Um, they didn't understand a lot of things about me. And so once I ended up getting admitted to DU, it was kind of on my own, like Hannah mentioned, like other than the Future Center, which was great, shout out to Gabe. Mm. Um, but other than that, and that was what my senior year of high school when I was actually applying and just hoping for the best. Um, prior to that, I hadn't really visited colleges. I wasn't on the mm. list of people everyone was looking at, trying to take to every I didn't, I literally didn't even know what an Ivy League was until I got to DU and realized I can get a master's if I wanted. Um, and so it's really interesting now that my little brothers are in middle school. My little brother's like, did you apply to any Ivy Leagues? And I'm like, DU was my Ivy League. Like I was shooting for the stars with that school. Like, and so once I even, I think I saw a shift like you, Teray, where I ended up getting in and I got a full ride. And I remember my mom told me, don't tell anyone. Mm. Like, don't tell anyone because they're gonna, either they're gonna be mad about it, someone's gonna hate on you, mm. someone's gonna be offended or hurt that they don't have that like you. She was just like, just don't tell anyone. And so I think one of my biggest experiences that I remember from at least admin or even teachers was 
I didn't tell anyone I had gotten a bull ride, but I saw the shift in the faces of my of my administrators, of my teachers, and their comments. Like they were just like, "Well, when I was young, I wanted to go to DU, but your mom can't afford it, mm. so don't even don't even worry about it." And this is me already having a full ride. Um, and I was kind of just like, "You freaking!" Yeah. Like I was just like, "Oh, okay," like just taking it all in. So once I went from the student athlete who had great grades, all this stuff, pride and joy of Lincoln, um, all of a sudden it shifted on me where it was like, now my admin, now my adult in my life are not okay with where they're at or where they ended up at. And now they're trying to shut my dreams down when they don't even know I'm there, you know? And so, and I'm always the type of girl that you don't say nothing until you're there, until <laughs> you're on campus, till you're in your yeah, dorm. Yeah. I'm not, I don't share my dreams. I don't share anything until I'm there. And so the fact that I saw that shift in my admin, the adults that are supposed to be helping you get there, um, just literally telling me to my face, like, you can't afford it. Your mom can't afford it. Like bringing my family into it. Yeah. Um, that was something I left DPS with the bitterness of who knows what and who knows where it comes from, you know, because it's just really interesting to see our community or like Edniam's community and how we're so resilient in the way that alumni do want to give back, whether their experience was bad or not. And so it's really interesting to be a part of a system where there are educators or administrators who don't have your back but they want you to come give back. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. No, yeah. I feel you. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no. no go ahead. <laughs> it's the similar thing around, like, being on all the college marketing things. I remember mm-hmm. they, uh, I had somebody reach out to me when I was at D. He was like, hey, we want to do this story. And I'm like, hell yeah. Like, you know what I mean? They, like, did a photo shoot and everything. Never heard back from them. And then one day I got in the mail and I saw, like, my picture and, like, this, like, sob story. It's it like, hey, give us some money. And I was like, yo. Hmm. <laughs> My mom still wow. saved it though. She liked it. <laughs> I guess that I guess that was worth it. Wow. Um, we're coming up on time, but I, I want to make sure that we we touch base, like all the stuff informed and like, you know, all these conversations informed kind of what we presented um at the top of our fundraiser and kind of the stuff we're working on now around like, well, what should at the bare minimum we should be walking away with um out of high school? And I, I remember we had this conversation and we had kind of the debate around college and all these different things. Yeah. And we ultimately landed on, like, we should be at least leaving high school with a credential mm-hmm. that we can use to make us ourselves some money. Um, and the way we've been, I've been communicating, so, like, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, was, like, three different things, right? was if I don't go to college or whatever, at least have something that's real that I can use and not whatever I learned in my math class that day that nobody remembers. Um, if I do go, I have a means to pay for it you know, make some bread. And if I do graduate, like, you know, most of us here, all of us here, like, I have something to fall back on to where I could be a little bit more bold in my dreams. Am I capturing that essence? And can you kind of like help the audience kind of walk, like walk the audience through how we got to this place of what we're pushing for now? If I could, if I could start us off, um, I would say that I would want kids to leave high school with something that I feel like I left high school with since I didn't want to be there the moment I got out it's kind of like refreshing so I already knew I didn't want to do the traditional college path 
if I'm going to go into debt, might as well do it on my own accord. Mm. Um, so I would want students to leave with control. Like yeah. you're out of here. Nobody's telling you when you can go to the bathroom or not <laughs> or how long yeah. you can take in there. Um, you can control what you do with your life. And mm-hmm. if students are graduating with a credential, that just reinforces that fact of mm-hmm. like, if if college isn't for you, that's okay. Mm-hmm. If college is for you, that's also okay. One is not better than the other. School is helped to like help you navigate through the world because mm-hmm. now that you're out of this like schooling system, the world is your own. Mm-hmm. There's no, but there's no teachers. There's no like, they're still tardy. You can still be tardy to things, but time management is now, everything's just suddenly on you. So if you feel like you have some sort of control in your life, I think you're going to navigate it a lot better than if you're just like, everything was set out for me, structured. Now I don't have any of that structure. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Right. I think just to add on to that, like, I agree, Hannah. I think that was like the gist of where we were coming from is like, allowing students to have agency over their life um, through opportunities because we all hear that like the the choir preaching to go to college and to graduate high school Um, but like we want to continue that conversation and continue to ask like the students what do they want and how can we just like add all those opportunities for them And I think really like dispelling that like negative perception on trades um, is important because I know for me, like I I was sitting with the question because Alonso sent it out of like, when did you hear about certifications of value? And I couldn't really land on like when I heard of it, but just remembering that when I did hear about it, like my mom saw it as such a bad thing she was like you absolutely cannot go to trade school you have to go to college and it was like given with a, with a really negative sentiment that made it feel like okay like that's bad if I go there that's bad but like now <laughs> we have a family friend who like did the the like air cooling school mm-hmm. at HVAC. HVAC. HVAC and then he started working and making his money and my mom's like oh my god so and so's <laughs> making so much money from this school and I'm like yeah like mom people can make a career out of this like really truly like these things are already happening in our world um so I know there's so many of us who when we were in high school, we didn't even know that half of the jobs out here existed. Like I'm working for Denver Parks and Recreation. I I would have never guessed that. I never saw that in like my life's path, but I'm here and I'm really happy. And so like, again, how could we just like make sure that students and youth are aware of like all these different options and paths and opportunities everything and allow them to have the tools the skills the means necessary to be able to achieve that whether it's their dream or whether it's like a stepping stone into their dream just like supporting that yeah 100 i mean i think there's always been this interesting dichotomy around well if i graduate with an hvac and i have a credential for some reason that makes me less eligible to go to college like that don't make sense to me you know what i'm saying like you know i actually do something why isn't that making you more attractive to yeah. these universities. And Gigi, I know you pushed back a little bit because you were like, yo, and me too, There's a, there was so much work that I did early in my career about helping kids get to college. And it's like, well, why are these, why do we have to make a decision between knowing how to like fix my car 
and getting a degree. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I tell you right now, like, we got a leak in our basement. I don't know how to fix that shit. And I'm going broke <laughs> trying to figure it out. You feel me? Like, no one ever taught me. So, like, why is some people will perceive as us saying that we should just do trades and not college. And we're saying, no, you should graduate with a trade and that should help you get through school or whatever it is you decide to do. But I'm curious as to what you have to say on that. Yeah, I think one thing that we really got to dive into when we were talking was really noticing that we're, at least DPS, is being made to choose. Like our students have to choose. It's either college or you're not really getting paid attention to. Um, And so I think that's where this really stemmed from was that we were wondering why is it that DPS is making making us choose, whereas other districts are going out of their way to give their students limitless options. Um, And back to what you mentioned about just the options and having the opportunity to, like for a lot of students, like we are low income, maybe free and reduced lunch, um, all this stuff that goes into the fact that some people already maybe will go into the workforce in the summers. Mm. They'll go in the workforce in the summers after with school. their after school, yeah. um, with their parents, with their uncles, with their they'll come back super muscly. I remember in, <laughs> in high school. <laughs> I was just like, dang, Ooh, all these the boys muscles. have muscles now. <laughs> they went to go so work with their dads in the summer. Too. They had cash, they had muscles. The farmers tan. And they but Farmers' hands, but they had the skills, you know? And, like, who got to tell those kids, like, oh, wow, you've been working construction since you were in who knows what grade with your parents? Like, oh, maybe you should get a degree in some type of anything, you know? And so it's really interesting to see how sometimes our communities are already doing this stuff. And um, our districts are just limiting us Mm -hmm. to... um, either college or you're not really going to get the help and support that we have to offer you. Um, and so I think for me, it was definitely tapping into the fact that we we want people to have limitless options and choose things that they feel are beneficial and that they'll gain something from rather than just, just having the option to go to college, yeah. for sure. I realized something was wrong when my senior year, I don't know if you can still look at the records of DPS, but I'm pretty sure I did not miss one class or a period during my whole senior year. <laughs> and I was always on time. Um, <laughs> Shout out to then, me, he said. <laughs> no, no, but hold on. <laughs> I like to think myself. <laughs> where, I'm, where I'm going with this is that like two weeks before graduation, all these cats were coming and get this credit recovery. Uh-huh. Yo, so you're going to graduate in two weeks, and you and I are going to have the same high school diploma to apply for the same job after we leave. So how how is this going to work out? <laughs> like, I came here for the whole year on time, every class, every period. You came for, here for two weeks, and you acquire all the knowledge and all the skills that I did for the whole year. So I knew that there was a big discrepancy there. Um, so when we talk about credentials of value when high school, we want to make that accessible for the ones who want to explore that path and for the ones who will benefit from it because um, there is 
an enormous potential of not only earning money, but at the same time of growth. Um, again, I I think there is some historical connotation uh, in in the in the work of trade because uh, when I talk to older people, there is historically something in there that I'm still learning about. Um, but yeah, the, the, there is I see more opportunity than marginalization or putting a cap or a limit on on trades. Um, yeah, my experience with it was I had a lot of homies who the traditional school curriculum, the the hypotheticals, the theories, like it didn't really work for them. And so, you know, sometimes they would lash out. They would sometimes miss school just because they wasn't messing with what was going on. Um, and because of that, they'd be disciplined, right? They'd either be suspended, they'd get kicked out, they ended up, you know, going to alternative schools. And now they're either trying to be plumbers and they have their plumber certification. I got my homie who cuts my hair. He's not even a certified barber because it costs a lot of money to mm -hmm. get your barber certificate. Mm -hmm. But like yeah. hi his high school could have offered him that and he yeah. would have had it for free and he would be in a place right now where he can like sustain himself. Right. And so uh, the fact that high schools aren't offering these credentials, these skills, like they're very much so failing this generation of kids. And if they don't, change the if they if they're not actively trying to impact the stigma that surrounds trade school then they're going to fail the next generation of kids and mm -hmm. and those kids are going to push them back until until they force their hands to, to do something about it until right we change what type of representation is at dps and so um yeah i, re I really do feel like dps failed a lot of my homies because they weren't given these skills they weren't given credentials to to be to find success with what that means to them yeah yeah it pisses me off, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I think about like my my son. It's like I'm I'm gonna have my son. I, I I was telling him this morning actually, like, dog, you should learn how to cut hair, bro. Not only can you get <laughs> hella money like while you're in yeah. school, like you could do that in your college dorm. You yeah. could you can have something to fall back on, should whatever you decide to pursue doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? And it's like Alonzo, to your point, it's like I don't know if there's any other like admittance that like what is going on in the classroom we don't really like believe in and like it's more about you being pushed through like you were talking about Hannah than it was actually learning something if we know you could just like get this course and this credit just so you graduate like what is the purpose here why are we here because we're hearing from people who would thrive in the traditional system the people who didn't necessarily thrive in the traditional system and they're both saying the same thing like y'all didn't prepare me I didn't have love I didn't come out with a tangible skill like there was all this doubt there seems to be like one tangible step towards that of just saying like, yo, let's get our kids out of here with something that they can actually use in the real world and let's help that elevate them and whatever their pursuit is, whether that be post-secondary or not. Um, I don't think anybody can carry that message like y'all, like us, you feel me? Because everyone who is, they ain't us. And so it's easy to kind of combat that type of thing. So um, we are up on time. The people that tend to listen to this are people in our community, but also it's been crazy to hear like policymakers say like, oh yeah, I heard your podcast. Or like, you know what I mean? Like we're, they're listening. What would you want to leave them with if you could leave them with anything right now? It doesn't even have to be related to what we just talked about. Like, what do you need them to hear if the people at the district, the policymakers, the school board, the city council, whatever? Um, I can go ahead and start. I think something that we definitely need to see, at least within the district, um, would be if I was being the Lulu 
I would ask um, for there to be a requirement for mm. our students to graduate with um, a tangible skill mm. so they can self-sustain. I think it's a huge issue that we're seeing now in the fact that we are having a decline in students enrolling in DPS. And it's like, maybe let's not think so far. Maybe our families aren't in Denver. Mm. Let's start there. And why aren't they in Denver? Because they can't afford it for the most part. So really addressing the fact that a lot of these issues are contributing to the fact, to the reason why enrollment is low. Hmm. Um, not just one, not just another, but it's all just coming to light. I think it would be really important for the district or people who want to be elected officials representing our district and representing our students to acknowledge that we need to make better partnerships throughout the city, throughout the state, um, higher ed, I don't know, everything. We really, we're doing a huge disservice to our DPS students by not having those built partnerships with um, the different entities. Um, and I think that would be my biggest ask, would be do more for the partnerships um, that will help elevate our students and help Denver feel like our homegrown talent is here and thriving. And um, just, yeah, that's my ask. <laughs> my message is always about love. <laughs> so for me, it would be true, really truly asking everyone to lead with love and good intentions. And I think that we'll all be better individuals and a stronger community for it. Um, something that like a life teacher taught me was that a lot of us think that the opposite of love is hate. But um, that teacher told me that it's actually fear, mm. which if we like reflect on it is like a lot of hatred does stem from fear. And so to me that that sentiment uh, like resonated with me. And so I think we see that now, like when systems aren't working for us, when we're not feeling good, um, it's coming from a lot of fear based tactics and punishments and like um reactions and that's not serving um that's not serving us as um humanity and so that's just like always wanting to lift up the message of love and um creating authentic relationships through that with good intentions so as a political worker i've had my i've had a lot of experience with these folks right and and what i've noticed is but a lot of them are really um, driven by like clout. They want to mm -hmm. have personal goals. They want to. They want to. They have a lot of ego. They want to make sure that they leave the best, greatest legacy as they can, and that hundreds of years from now, people are gonna be talking about their name. And like, and if that's if that's you, right? I think that they need to look, have like a deep look in the mirror, and really question whether they should be in these spaces that have really big consequences for for thousands of people right and and similar as to what carla said right like when we're talking about love right we're talking about like a verb 
it's an action. Like people have to like show what love means to them. And and when I think of love, you know, I think of of Cornell West's quote. He says, um, "Justice is what love looks like in public, just like tenderness is what love feels like in private." Mm. And so we've all felt love, whether it's your mom's love, your partner, your sister, right? That 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 warmth of that hug, of that kiss, of 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 those um, affirmations. We need to start ensuring that our systems reflect that type of love, mm-hmm. right? That is not just um, profit that is not just personal clout that is not a transaction but it's that mm-hmm. we're really trying to nourish everybody's greatest potential and that we're trying to make sure that we got the best versions of, of everybody mm-hmm. I'm still thinking about that quote yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I'm talking to like you know there's a higher hierarchy of power wherever you go it's like rooted in capitalism you know um, if I'm talking to like the decision makers on top, I would just say like, don't forget you're human too. Mm-hmm. All these decisions that are being made affect everybody. Like a lot of students, a lot of people, students like they live at home and they have to go to school. They don't have a lot like to control over their life. They don't, you know, if they go out and work, then they're no longer in school. Like it's difficult. And these are human beings just like you, struggling every day to maneuver around these ridiculous rules that we set to keep them below. Mm. You know, like a lot of these issues are are being faced by BIPOC indigenous students. And so just like there's more, you're more similar to them Mm. than you think. You know, like you struggled, I'm sure you did, and I'm sure you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps <laughs> and you know you were able to make it where you make it but some people don't even have boots mm. you know some students just they're humans just like you and just like Kiara said like leading with love like you never know this world changes so yeah. crazily one day you're gonna be at the bottom of the barrel mm-hmm. and the rules that you set will work mm. you know against you you know you're on top now but you never know what can happen next his hands coming. Yeah. yeah. Clinch your purse. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Hide your kids. Hide your wife. <laughs> I would like to send an invitation to them. You know, if they want to hear and, and see what we're all about, come hang out with us. I'll show you what you want to know. I'll show you what you're curious about. I'll take you through the lens of an undocumented immigrant student who has overcome a lot of the barriers imposed by the system. So it's an invitation. I... There is so much that I can tell you right now, but there is nothing like taking taking you on a field trip. Mm-hmm. So you can smell it, feel it, touch it, mm-hmm. and see it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And bring your friends with you. Mm-hmm. And your family. Your and, and your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> Especially promise, the wallet. <laughs> I promise I won't buy, but you know, you got to learn about me as I do you. We got to yeah. find yeah. some middle ground. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you're unaware how somehow. You're unaware <laughs> of what's going on in the schools and what students are mm-hmm. facing. Let us bring you that light mm-hmm. of like what needs to change and what we're doing yeah. to yeah. change it on your behalf. Mm. You're welcome. 100%. Pick up the phone. Pick Start a conversation. What's up? You feel me? Yeah, no, nah, I mean, I think for, for me, um, I think a lot of people misperceive Etnium as like this brand, but it's like, nah, like everything we have comes from like y'all us right like this collective community like 
I was trying to explain to somebody that, you know, I'm, I'm just in these meetings saying the stuff I hear. You, you feel me? Like the stuff that like y'all are telling me and that I personally experience. And like the power of this is not something I think that, I think it's even like, it's beyond me or any of us at this table, like everything we're doing, it's gonna be an inevitable force that they're going to have to reckon with and deal with at some point, right? Because people are getting fed up. Um, and so mostly I'm just like, look, if you if you just build with your people and like you know them and you 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 invest in them, um, in time, money, shit, just a shoulder sometimes, you know what I mean? And you could be vulnerable with your people, like that will that might be the thing that leaves you your legacy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because that's something that's sustainable that people remember. Yeah. You know, we all shouted out somebody that showed us that love <laughs> and that that gave us mm-hmm. that time. Um, be that person for somebody, mm-hmm. and that shit can change families, generations, cities, countries, the world. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But we here, damn it, we ain't going nowhere. Uh, I appreciate y'all. Like y'all remind me of why I'm doing this work. Like it means it means everything to me, and for y'all to ride and trust the. Trust the crew. Um, we just want to be able to deliver on something that's real. And so, yeah, appreciate y'all. Appreciate you. Thank Peace. you. Thank you. Thank and you we all. out. Peace.